0: Hello, fellow marketers. Welcome again to another wonderful episode of the Tech Marketing Podcast with myself and my wonderful co-host Harry. Harry, say hello. (laughs) This podcast we are super excited to talk about because we are going to be discussing one of our really quite incredible campaigns we've been we've been nominated for an award with for a client. So. This podcast will be talking about the integration of the Raise Your Game campaign that we put forward for the B2B Marketing Awards for the best not only for the best SME targeted campaign but also for the best campaign created. Um, so firstly before I get too carried away and too excited about this, let, I want to introduce our director of strategy and planning, Claire, and our lead writer Louisa. So Claire and Louisa, say hello.
1: Hi John, hi everybody, it's great to be here.
0: <laughs> hey Claire, it's great to have you. Hey Louisa. Everyone. Awesome. Um, nice. I got a bit carried away there. <laughs> uh, as usual, no, I like it. you. John energy. never. <laughs> the I don't know where the energy's coming from. I don't know where the energy's have? coming from. But we're going to just carry on straight through. <laughs> <laughs> not enough. That, it's never enough. It's always n plus one. Um, but Claire, Claire, you're not. You've not been a stranger to our podcast. You've been on some of our previous and most successful episodes. But why don't you give our listeners a little bit of background on on how you you know how you've ended up in your role? Uh, you know what's been your history to date and what you're really excited to talk about today?
1: Yeah. Hi. Um, yeah, you're right. I did a couple of podcasts a few years ago. Had the great honour to, to to chat with Laura from Financial Times. And then also, we did a great podcast with LinkedIn with my colleague, uh, Michaeli Rial. I I head up and I'm the director of strategy and planning at Together. And I've just had a great journey for the last 20 years working agency side and working my way up to being a director of a great team of strategists at Together.
0: And we've had quite a few of them on the podcast before as well, so they are. I always love getting any of your team involved, Claire. It's going to be a fantastic discussion today, Louisa. This is this your first podcast with us.
2: Yeah, this is my first time on the
0: Together podcast. I'm I'm hoping to get you back a lot more because you've got some fascinating. Whenever we have a discussion together internally, it always goes off in. It blows my mind. So super <laughs> excited to get you tangents. on. Fascinating, but Louisa, why don't tell us a little bit about yourself and the team here at Together?
2: Uh, yeah, sure. So I am a lead writer at Together. I'm part of the copy team and I work very closely with um, our art team. So I work very closely with um, David Ryan, the art director, who you may have heard on the podcast um, recently. Um, and I have been a B2B copywriter working in agencies for the best part of a decade. Um, yeah, it's it's really great. I really love the, the kind of complexity and the challenge of getting to grips with what we're you know what we're selling and how we're helping people and um, you know explaining that in a way that's easy to get.
0: Awesome and it always always blows my mind and we're working on some fascinating stuff internally right now but we're not here to talk about the stuff we'd talk, we're working on now because that's going to come in a future episode. Today we're here to talk about one of the most awesome campaigns that's up for these two wonderful awards. In this case, it, you know, the notes I have here is we managed to increase middle-of-funnel conversions by 184%
3: with this particular uh, is that what that means?
0: That's, you're wondering, Harry, Harry was oh, wondering about mofos. Who are these mofos <laughs> that are
3: converting?
0: So I'm... I, I, where do we get started? Like, I'm, you know, if you're if you're a listener, like, stay tuned because this I think this is going to be a fascinating episode, taking us through all of those different different learnings. But well, let's before we get into the learnings, let's start. What, what were the what was Sage trying to address uh, with this project? This is
1: specifically about a product called Sage Intact, which is a cloud financial um, software for mid market. So you're talking about companies that might have say about thirty employees up to a few thousand. And um, it's a really interesting product. Um, It's been in the market in the US for quite a long time and is a real leader in in the States. And it was launched when we were planning this campaign. It was launched in the UK about 18 months beforehand Um, from the US. It's got great credentials, amazing sort of proof points in the benefits it can provide sort of financial controllers in the finance department. But in the UK, as it's quite a new product, it, it just didn't have the brand awareness. So when it when it um, and if Sage Intact sales team got onto the table um, and got to a demo stage, you know it would convert really highly. But the problem they had was getting to the table. You know they just couldn't get through the door. So um, we worked very closely with Sage, and they actually asked for and we've been doing a lot of work on Sage Intact, uh, myself and my team around the propositions. Um, you know value creators and we were actually asked to help um, the UK team develop out a brand awareness campaign which would help to create demand basically and and, and create those sort of memories um, that are needed to help accelerate some of the demand um, campaigns that were already in market so in essence the problem was brand awareness
3: so
0: and this is a problem that of course every every single b2b um tech company from the from the newest startups uh, to, to some of the largest camp- clients like sage all all facing and you've said some key terms there claire that i want to make sure i understand properly so you mentioned this is this was a brand awareness campaign to drive demand don't we normally put those in two different buckets so what what's how are we bringing how are we bringing demand into this awareness campaign
1: yeah sure so um So a lot of the times when people talk about uh, demand, they're talking about just converting that demand that's already there. So people know they want a product. They're already looking to see what solutions are there. And they've already got their short list of solutions. Um, And they quite often just go to products that they've already heard of or they're already aware of. But if they don't have an awareness, you need to actually create that. You need to sort of be able to create that demand and it's not going to fix sort of your next month's pipeline, but you need to create that demand for the future. And that's where awareness links really tightly with brand. Um, uh, um, sorry, awareness links tightly with demand generation. And, and John, you and I have actually done a webinar around this, haven't we? <laughs> yes, we um, have. <laughs> that, you know, that, that, that actually demand generation, we, we look at it in the broadest sense. So that includes brand awareness, which helps to sort of create the demand over a long period of time and then you've got your more your, your shorter-term sort of tactics and activations, which convert the demand that you already have in market. Um, so, so so Sage were really great, and they've got some amazing campaign managers which, which, which were working on converting the demand they were already seeing, but they really needed help to drive that awareness so um, to create new demand and, and also to change some perceptions as well. We can't forget that. Um, you know, Sage is a great brand. It's been around for a long time, but because of that, there's some perceptions that actually can they do cloud? Um, should we use a, a go to a newer mm-hmm. uh, financial company or financial services company or sorry, financial software company that actually isn't cloud native? Now this product is cloud native, but it's perceptions that maybe Sage doesn't have that. So we had to do some perception changing as well. Yeah, I wait about your question
2: about you know um, brand awareness and demand gen. I think it's important to remember that that even if you're doing a pure demand gen campaign, your brand and how that's perceived and how it makes people feel and how memorable it is is always layered in there. So you, you you can't do a demand gen you know campaign without brand being an element. And I think that that's a really important thing that Sage realised that, that the brand level was something that was lagging behind the demand gen and the conversions and they really needed to, you know, get it out there and get people talking about it and get attention.
1: It's really refreshing because quite often we'll have clients come to us looking for that tactics and the demand generation to drive drive leads, drive opportunities for sales. Um, but the maturity of Sage's demand um, gen engine demonstrated that they realised the problem was actually the awareness piece and they actually had to invest in awareness to actually be able to move the needle in demand.
3: And I
0: think that that conversion point of 184% just demonstrates the impact awareness you know an awareness led campaign can have on on results so that's fantastic that webinar that you referenced by the way if you if any of our listeners haven't seen it, it it's something claire and i did early in the year back in goodness back in march um so do just search for demand gen is broken fixing the funnel um and you'll come across both of our wonderful faces uh taking you through um some of our learnings there of, of uh demand brand awareness and demand gen and we'll we'll drop the link in the show show notes as well um but just digging a little bit more into this awareness campaign, like let, let's give our audience some flavour of what we were creating here. So who, who was our target audience, firstly? Um who were we who were we focusing yeah,
1: on? Yeah, sure. So as mentioned that this campaign's specifically for the UK, UK and Ireland. And the audience is uh, is finance leaders. So we're talking about CFOs or financial controllers for companies between you know 30 employees up to a few thousand um and it, a really interesting uh, audience because um what they're looking to do is that they actually traditionally have been seen as the bean counters as we call it within an organization you know that, that they actually just would would look at the end of the month what has been spent you know look at the cash look at the cash flow do reconciliations um but actually that's quite an old view of you know, the the, the sort of finance team and the value they can drive. Um, And actually Sage themselves had done quite a lot of work around uh, um, the sort of evolution of the the CFO, you know, CFO 1.0, 2.0, you know, through to CFO 3.0, who actually sees themselves as being a strategic voice and actually being helping to drive that, that business value. So that takes us to the day of when this campaign was going into market. So, actually, the finance execs themselves, and we were looking at those that are the go-getters, you know, so so we're not necessarily talking about every single financial exec, um, but those that actually really want to modernise their finance office and really actually want to transform their role um, from being a bean counter to actually a value creator. So, that's the audience, and like I said, that's the type of financial controller we were looking to, to target.
0: Did we? Did we do anything you're targeting those i'm gonna i'm gonna call them new age financial controllers that's probably the wrong way of put it, or cfos 3.0 3.0 mm-hmm. or or how, how however the client defined this but did we do anything special to to target or speak to them let's mm-hmm. let's talk about from a messaging standpoint like how did we vary the messaging for, yeah. for that particular audience
1: yeah because it, it's i think that that was the difference um and that approach so it it's recognizing that they want to change um from being, like I said, these bean counters to be these value creators, but it's also a, a, a part of the work we did was recognising um, what the audience problem was. So we knew what the client problem was, which was awareness. The audience problem was they couldn't transform to become these value creators because they are they and their teams are actually being held back. They're held back by the manual processes and the reporting tasks they had to do on a daily basis, the fact that it would take them weeks to do month-end close cycles rather than a couple of days. So they just didn't have the time to actually uh, um, be able to drive value. But also they didn't have the right tools because they would be trying to consolidate lots of different types of entities. They didn't have real-time visibility of data to help inform these uh, uh, um, key uh, business drivers. So, so from a messaging point of view, understanding what the problem was helps us understand what we can do to change that problem. So like I said, so, so the problem was they, they couldn't become the type of finance exec they wanted to be because they were being held back. And um, so they needed a solution that would actually release them from that, you know, that would enable them to become that value creator And so that they needed like a technology choice and the technology they chose would actually help them or would decide what CFOs would actually outperform. So it all comes down to that technology choice and that being that enabler. And that then led in quite nicely then into, I guess, what our our creative idea is and then how we stand out, um, which probably segues nicely. Louisa, would you like to? to chat about that.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think from what you were saying, John, you know, your question about, you know, how did how did that understanding that it was these go-getting um, finance execs that we're talking to, how did that kind of impact what we did? And, and really, like, the whole um, creative idea and the platform that we used all turned on understanding that attitude and understanding mm-hmm. their ambition and their kind of competitiveness and their desire to, you know, challenge the status quo... That, that was the essence of, of our, our idea that we created. So we had this creative platform, um, which we called Raise Your Game. Um, and it's, you know, the whole campaign is issued as this kind of challenge to these finance execs um you know what could you do if you had this software alongside you that we know how ambitious you are and now we can give you the tools to to get where you want to go and to to have that real time data that your business needs and to have that role which is going to dictate the course of your organization so we were able kind of on an emotional level to really tap into that and embody mm-hmm. their attitude within the ads um and I think that's, a, you know, a big reason why they they sort of resonated so well. I
0: I, I think that's that's it's it's awesome that we're speaking to them at, at that level. I think my my question is: you've just mentioned these this this team. You know, they're they're hungry to to raise their game. Um, how do uh, yet they their time poor due to all the manual processes they have? Like, how did we how do we get them to? I guess trying to think the right way of phrasing this like how did we get it to really stand out like what titling it raise your game is one thing but what were the other elements that we included as part of the the imagery or the creative that really elevated it above every other advert they were seeing or every other campaign they were seeing
2: yeah so so one thing one challenge that we had um and one kind of thing we had to try and avoid was a lot of the rest of this industry um kind it's kind of a, a blends into like a wallpaper of you know stock imagery and quite jargony headlines and um, we just really needed to make them stand out against that backdrop and um, so what we came up with was these really striking direct images of these confident almost badass um, professionals um, who, are, who are gazing very confidently into the camera and they really grab your attention and then they've also got you notice a beat later they've got um, you know the, our key image is a woman and she has a boxing glove and you kind of notice her attitude and then you notice this boxing glove and then you go to the headline which is finance that packs a punch and you, you're kind of encapsulating that Ambition and that attitude um, instantly, Um, and I think the 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 element of the sporting the sporting element, you know, it it plays to their kind of competitive nature and the idea of you know increasing performance, Um, but it's also adds an intrigue. So I think people were more likely to click um, to see you know what's that about, and the sport tie-in kind of made it much more memorable. That you know, oh yeah, it's the one with the boxing glove. You know, so it, it became you know, very quickly memorable.
1: And it's quite interesting you mentioning that because um, it stood out for the audience, but also, for example, Sage's partners used this as well. And it really stood out for them. And it really made it to be a campaign that partners wanted to use um, and which we got some really great feedback because it was different. It stood out in the market and it gave them something that they could um, use to help drive awareness. So it wasn't just a direct campaign and actually was indirect as well um what what we did also from a a messaging tier point of view is you have that hard-hitting headline that ties in really nicely with the image as as louisa has mentioned but we really supported that by some strong um Mm -hmm. reasons to believe which is really important so so the the lead image has close cut your close time by up to 79 percent so you know so so, so there was a strong rational reason and proof point there Um, so if you think we we don't want to just get that awareness, we we were then looking to actually get people to engage more. And that's how we then drove significant amount of traffic to the website and got further engagement with the campaign. So, and, and then the supporting piece, because people didn't know what Sage Intact was. So it was really important to frame that as well. So, you know, every ad has Sage Intact, best of breed cloud finance software. So within the one place. You know, we we were addressing people's emotional needs and what they were looking to aspire to do. We're supporting it with a rational proof point of why this is the right software to enable you to outperform. And that should be given the context of what Sage Intact actually was. So it was sort of all then, it, you know, it's all encapsulated within the one ad.
0: You've taken the words completely out of my mouth, Claire. As you were describing it there, I was thinking we're going emotion, rational, and then and then getting them to understand the product. Uh, and I think if, you know, just describing the audience at the beginning, I'm imagining that you would normally be, well, they're bean counters, they're finance, you know, they're like numbers and absolutes. And so we would probably, from a purely rational perspective, just start with those proof points. Uh, instead of thinking, instead of trying to appeal to them emotionally, so I think that's a, a an amazing journey to take them on to go from go from that emotional roller coaster of something aspirational into something that makes it um, provable into in, into into the product. So I think
1: yeah, because that, that, that's what why yeah. Sorry, I was to say that that's that's why we can say this, mm-hmm. you know, and that's really important. Mm -hmm. um but we lead obviously with the emotion because this was all about that you know we know they're looking and can drive so much value for a business but they're being held back so you you know it's it's, that enablement piece is really important
0: do you think there's a lot of talk at at the moment about emotion in in especially specifically in b2b marketing like do do you is our learning from this from this particular campaign um that you, you know, you still need that rational element, you need both, of both sides of the brain, if you will.
1: I mean, I, I think it depends on on the stage we're looking at. I mean, for that worked in this particular instance, because it was an awareness issue. Um, you know, so, so so we felt we needed that to actually drive that and land that reason for people to click through. Um, you know, we, we all know how effective motion is. And actually, we need to you know, use emotional drivers to drive uh, 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 memory, um, to drive brand saliency, you know, etc. So, um, but in this particular instance, yeah, we felt we needed the combination of the two within the same space. You know, other elements, you might have the more rational messages come further down um, uh, the campaign, you know, at, at different layers of the campaign rather than the initial upfront.
2: Yeah, I I think that the the emotional level is is something that I always try to bring into everything everything that I create, and I think that if you can if you can make people see that this company gets them on an emotional level, that's not just an awareness and recognition and seeing yourself in the ad. It's it's also hopefully going to promote brand loyalty that they feel seen and they feel understood and they feel like this is, this brand is aligned with their attitude. And in this case, you know, it went perfectly, and we had, as Claire said, we had the proof points to, to actually immediately back that up. And I think, yeah, just I think the strength of the response that you get if you manage to hit that emotional note just right is is significant. I, I
0: think just and reflecting on this campaign, it's it's if that, you know, Louisa, you mentioned the boxing glove before. I think it's also really important to make sure that everything is linked together uh, in a, I'm going to say, in a succinct way to reinforce the brand message um you know i've seen some b2b brands and these aren't campaigns we've necessarily produced and i'll probably keep the company names nameless but they just use uh disruptive imagery let's say um you know things like animals with different heads swapped out in order to try and get cut through but it has absolutely no link to the campaign creative or the message or the story they're trying to tell um you know we we had a a, an example probably probably nearly five six years ago now of a particular client that just likes sending out rubber ducks because it was just different and it would stand out because that was nothing to do with their business and that that happened to happened to generate a lot of leads but i think it becomes even more powerful when you know talking about the boxing glove you give it identity and a story that people can get behind um that's just my view but i i you just made me think of some of the examples i've seen where you can see these fantastic uh, results are on click-throughs, but I just I think long term, you're 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 limiting brand recall and memory, um, to, to your point, Claire, and you're limiting, you know, potentially uh, if they'd ever come back uh, to, in the future.
1: Yeah, because as, as we know, and um, I mean, John, you and I have used this stat a lot, but but if we know only about five uh, percent of your your buyers are in market at this time, you want them to remember you when they are in market. And that's where that that's why that memory is so important. So you, you could have a great uh, uh, piece of swag or an offer or an incentive um, that that people will take up. So so you're, you're driving engaged contacts, you're driving leads, yeah. but actually they're not yeah. going to remember you. Um, and that's what's really important. What, what what I love about this campaign as well is is we've talked about the the hero sort of uh, um, image and, and the, the, the the hero ad. But we actually took it across a number of verticals, mm-hmm. which is really important. So we could actually speak directly to particular verticals. So, you know, for example, with SaaS, um, you know, so it's really understanding not just the the audience problem around the financial controllers, but actually what are the needs of that vertical and the needs of their business. So what's their business drivers? And it is tying into that. And that's where some, you know, some great work that, you know, we obviously undercovered those insights and then some great work Louisa did around that. So with SAS, you know, uh, the the focus quite often is getting that next round of funding, you know, and really driving growth. So we, we were tying into the needs the business has and then enabling how the financial controller or financial leader can actually support and set up their business for success.
2: And I remember we spent quite a lot of time um, really carefully aligning those sectors and those industries with, you know, with the right sport. So, you know, for for the non-profit sector, for example, um, we used orienteering because we wanted something where they have to be very resourceful and kind of think on their feet. But they, you know, it's not it's not kind of competitive like some sports are. Um and then, as you're saying, Claire, for um, SAS, it's it's very kind of scrappy. It's dog eat dog, and we had wrestling, and we had that time with like rounds of funding and wrestling rounds. So we, you know, there's a lot of thought went into kind of making sure that those um, sporting things were not just away and they actually kind of did fit fit with the with the sectors. And just to add to that as well, like we, you know, thinking back to you know just doing rubber ducks or whatever for the sake of it. We didn't start. We didn't start with the sport thing. We started with the, you know, their ambition and their drive and the idea of, you know, Sage Intact being able to enhance performance. We, so we started with the emotion, and then the sport kind of came afterwards. It wasn't mm-hmm. the other way around, and I think that makes a very big difference.
3: Mm-hmm. That's really interesting uh, mm-hmm. about the picking of the sports. What was the initial? What was the thought process leading? Up to sport as the kind of hook on it, because obviously you began with the emotions, and then what led to choosing sport as the kind of umbrella was it like the playfulness expert of it. It's quite a versatile medium.
2: Yeah, I think it was it was quite sort of serendipitous that we we happened to find something or have a conversation where the idea of sport came yeah. in, um, and then David and I kind of explored that and 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 ran with it, um, and as you say, like, realised that it was flexible enough to yeah. be able to um, incorporate those different industries, um, and, and, and actually that turned out to be a very good thing because we actually extended this campaign um, a while later, and I think I can talk about this, um, to, to include other verticals, so it was it was quite useful that we have got this flexible platform of the sports that we could kind of expand
3: on. Yeah, 100%, 100%. Uh, yeah, so which are the well, maybe we won't have this in. which are the <laughs> sports that you're looking to include for like the next batch? because I'm interested in how you choose the sports per vertical or per um, job role. That seems like an exciting part to me.-hmm:
2: uh, lot of, A lot of back and forth with the clients a lot of because oh, the challenges as well in terms of you know you have to be able to find a headline. That, that ties into it. The sport, you have to be able to find a way of wrapping that sport into the image. And and one thing that was really important for us when we were coming up with those images is that we wanted the the hero and the main focus of the ad to be the kind of confident direct um expression mm-hmm. of the person. Mm-hmm. And and the the sporting element was only noticed second, so it, it also had to be something that could be reasonably subtle.
0: <laughs> Can't them Which wouldn't work America for a UK campaign, would it? Um, <laughs>
1: but no. But no. also, I, I, you know, it's being pragmatic in the style of the imagery, and can we add sporting, yeah, apparel to that? In an easy way, mm-hmm. you know that there's some there's some mm-hmm. things that would have been discounted because it just wouldn't have been uh, feasible to have done. How did
3: you do the wrestler? What did you do? So we had was? a
2: wrestling helmet um, that was sitting on the de- desk next to the next to the woman.
3: Okay, um, interesting. So you're proper propseller, uh, and yeah. you know, you so, you know so, so for like
2: a... um, professional services, um, we actually had a bow and arrow. Um, you know, mm-hmm. very it's very targets driven, very kind of focused. Yeah, so, nice. Um, and what else did we have we had um we had orienteering was non-profit and then oh yes for um financial services we had um he was a he was a rock climber so he kind of the idea of navigating kind of difficult terrain having to be very skilled and everything being kind of a balancing yeah. act um, you know tied into that industry so yeah it's uh, it was it was a lot of fun it was a long process for <laughs> I, I think
0: there's what really fascinated me about both bits about both of what you said there by the way I love orienteering that's such a um, I'm gonna say it's such a niche a niche sport to pick it's amazing but a, a lot of what you said there is very similar to how you would pitch like any business you you know you Louisa I really want to call out the fact that we made the customer, the hero, it's so, so many times, you know, you, we, we put forward a um, a proposal on the, and the, you know, in, in, from a marketing standpoint, they want to make the product the hero, but this, you really need to make the, the customer stand out as the hero and the product is just the enabler for them to succeed. Um, and so I think that's really important. And Claire, you mentioned how this spoke at the company and the individual level. And again, that gets so often missed that macro and micro, um, element. It, it, it's it's how if you look at many startup decks, um, and I've just come back from from a conference where we saw many of these be presented. Like that, the most successful ones and the most uh, eloquent and persuasive uh, start pitches are ones that talk about that individual pain and the company uh, wider problem and weave it in to make the customer their hero. And so I think that I just love the um how we built the campaign to to, to follow that structure because I think it's incredibly important um, and so often missed.
1: And if you think about it, there's no point speaking to a non profit <laughs> about things that are to do with profit, right? So um so yep. because they're all about the mission. I mean that 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 that's their main purpose is about that mission, whatever their focus is, you know, whether it's on uh, um You know, I don't know, getting certain um, drugs rolled out, whether it is on various aid support, it's all about that mission. And that's what everybody that works for them is focused on. So we wouldn't talk to them about the same things as you talk to um, the professional services industry, which is all about the project deadlines, driving profitability, accountability, you know, those sort of pieces. Now, there is obviously accountability for nonprofits, but that's more Mm -hmm. back to the people that are funding them. And back to their sponsors and those sort of pieces. So it is making sure you really understand the market that and the pressures and the challenges they're working within.
0: This is going to be. I think this is going to be something that all of our all of our listeners are going to be thinking about. You know, there's a lot of talk around the newer generations. You know, when we, when I started in marketing, that was the millennials. Now, of course, it's the Gen Zs. Um, not saying I'm a huge fan of having these labels, but you know, do you see? that some of the motivations of these younger audiences that are much more mission focused coming in to 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 drive uh, the need to include an emotional message uh, in our creative, um, you know, are we seeing that start to change in B2B? Or is it purely that we just want to drive? Are we Is the generational question a bit of a red herring? And we just know that emotion is, is best to lead with.
1: I'd say with emotion, it is a red herring. Um, we're talking to people and we're talking to humans and let's remember that um, so it doesn't matter the age of the human the race of the human the sex of the human you know that's who we're talking to so um, however we are seeing and we're, we're monitoring trends that we're seeing of things that are potentially more important or channels that are being used more so it might affect the way we take a campaign to market it might affect the values that are of importance so it might be that we do need to dial a little bit more into some of the values um, and talk about certain, have certain talk tracks that we may not have had before. But I, I don't think emotion relates um, to generation. I
2: think what I would say, though, about that about that generational question and, and the kind of element of emotion or or maybe it's more to do with with how closely, you know, the emotion that's portrayed in the ad actually Fits with you as a person is that I think that younger generations are increasingly able to very very precisely tailor the content and the things that they consume to be very aligned to their interests and to their personalities and I think that that means that if you if you fail to hit the mark with that and you fail to show that you're kind of on the same page it's going to be really obvious and really stand out as something that's not talking, that's not talking to them. That,
0: that, I think I completely agree with both your points there. I think it's it is. I like. St- I don't like the labels that we're placing on generations now. I think it's much. It's much more important to treat us all as as human beings that have that you know, that have different motivations. But Claire, definitely take your point here, and Louisa, you, you were definitely you were coming into this as well. Is is the channels that they may consume may differ. So what you know, talking about this particular campaign uh, and the success that we had here. I'm going to keep coming back to this one hundred and eighty-four percent. Like, what channels did we use when deploying the campaign? What was, what was, and what was our learnings uh, with with the choice that we made?
1: So the, um, I guess we'll go to market. This this was purely a digital campaign. was the first piece to say, mm-hmm. albeit though it was used in the partner channel community, and there were some. Uh, um, I think there might be some out of home run around it, and there are some other more more traditional ad formats. But but the, the direct campaign we worked on, it was it was purely a digital campaign, and it was using um, channels such as YouTube, paid social, programmatic were the main the main channels. Um, there were, um, we created videos, so YouTube was, um, you know, obviously a key channel for targeting and one of the, 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 the prime channels for actual um, response that really drove a lot of great response. Mm-hmm. Um, there was retargeting um, using intent data, um, also uh, retargeting on, on video views, those sort of areas. So um, a lot of the content was sort of video as well as static from an ad perspective mm-hmm. and driving to campaign landing page.
0: By the way, on the programmatic side, I had a stat this morning uh, with one of our uh, our other campaigns that we're running. So not this particular campaign, but we have found uh, that programmatic ads especially tend to be the first touch for an awareness piece. Um, We're still validating that, but it is... Uh, we, we, we've been able to get some brand attribution to say that they, the first exposure to the brand tends to be through programmatic before they before they start to address with different different channels, which um, I'm fascinated to unpack in, a, in a, probably in a future podcast. But we're we've only just got that that's hot off the press this morning. Um, I mean, Louisa, from your perspective, like designing a campaign like this that relies on you know newer mediums. I'm going to say newer, even though it's been around for a good decade, such as YouTube. Like, does that was was that a particular challenge for b2b um you know what what learnings do we have uh using those kind of tactics
2: yeah so i think having such an integrated campaign um was actually like a real gift well i mean when you when you look at the results that we were able to get then you can see that that really paid off i think that actually, we we developed a really like tight and structured messaging framework and copy framework that we used throughout the campaign. And actually, when it came to creating um, creating ads across a variety of formats, that was invaluable because you know it meant that we could be really consistent um, and, and sort of and sort of focus more energy on kind of adapting what we had for the different um, channels rather than having to kind of reinvent the wheel. So that was that was really useful um and, and I think as well, it's back to where we, you know, when we had our we had our hook with the sporting elements, which actually, when it came to doing things like YouTube videos, that was a real gift because it kind of gave us an opening to sh- you know, show something other than you know business people and laptops. So um that was that was really great too.
1: Yeah, it was really good seeing that come to life from the ad set into the actual video and you know how panning in on the boxing glove for example and just just really to get across the headline packs the punch you know so um th- there was some really great work done from our, our motion graphics team as well
2: and in general the client was always kind of pushing for like how can we be more disruptive how can we be bolder you know and and for us as like a creative team and, and as a wider team having the opportunity to really um you know embrace something like that was you know was really make it really grateful to work on yeah we loved it what
3: do we have to type into youtube
2: to see this because
1: they were they were i think they were youtube pre-roll ads ads, weren't they They where they were 20 seconds or something
2: they were yeah they were punchy they were
1: targeting um people that were searching for competitors um targeting particular vertical trade sites that sort of Mm. stuff on youtube
2: awesome I think Harry just wants to know why we didn't use jiu-jitsu. Yeah, 100%. Well, I'm, I'm
3: trying to think of the, uh, the appropriate
0: job. Ha- Harry always comes up with a, a wonderful analogy to try and well, we've got, we've,
3: We're littered with analogy now. We've got rock climbers and boxers and all that sort of stuff.
0: I, th- I feel like Harry, you, you need to do a cut version of this campaign that's all around different types of dating.
3: Why, why is you? this my I'm a, a monogamous individual but yeah 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 I could do, there's definitely um, there's definitely different types of tinder profiles for different uh jobs. That, <laughs> that's funny. Is this going,
1: guys <laughs>
3: <laughs> Because a lot of the time the analogy really works because we're trying to acquire we're trying to get interest from people in our jobs, you know we're try, we're trying to advertise ourselves. You know, and uh, that, that's where that's where it usually goes. You know.
1: Well, I guess you could have your your analogy around our call to actions then, Harry. If you think where it was more top of the funnel, we're just directing people to see something. That then the next level, we took it on a coffee break. Yeah. So that's your first sort of meeting up, um, and then and then after that, you went to a demo request.
3: That's when you whip out your. <laughs> p- <laughs> <laughs>
0: That level 11, whatever I was expecting. <laughs> D- Harry, has dating really changed since I've been in the game? Yeah, yeah, really yeah.
3: It's a different game since you were in it, baby.
1: Oh my goodness, man.
3: <laughs> If they request the demo, you're going to jail.
2: We always wondered how the Sage team were getting such good conversions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I, I wonder, I, would, I, think, can, I think, I'm sure you can advertise on some of these dating platforms, so I'd love to have a challenge to say, the first B2B ad in, on Tinder or something, I don't know if you yeah,
3: can Oh it. yeah, that'd be funny. Uh, if you, if
0: you... <laughs> well, I've got
2: a friend who's a copywriter, and she, as a sideline, she does actually write people's Tinder profiles for hire, so I feel like, yes. You,
3: you just raised this mofo by 184%. <laughs> the reason, do people read Tinder profiles, does that happen? I
0: didn't think, Bro, I didn't of course they read. do.
2: <laughs> I... I I'm not an expert in that channel. No, then. neither
0: am I. The, um, Get
1: out there, Louisa.
0: The uh, the, the um I You having... never
1: know who's listening. Yeah.
0: <laughs> uh anyway, I've taken us off on a massive tangent. There's nothing to do with this at all and probably will all we'll be cut, but it was fascinating. Um so let's bring us let's bring this to like we've we've gone through some uh, wonderful uh, tips and insights here, but if we were to summarize it into two or three pieces of feedback um, that, that we've learned that drove effectiveness here that our listeners could take away, what would they be? So, Louise, I'm going to start with you. Like, What would be your key takeaway here that, you, that, that we learned from this campaign?
2: Yeah, I think mine would be that it really pays off to have a really clear insight into the audience's mindset and also their challenges um and then to draw on that emotion to get um a kind of immediate emotional response um that you know will make things more memorable and grab more attention and get the results that you want
0: awesome so it all starts with the audience and understanding their motivations claire what's your key insight that you that we learned from this campaign
1: okay i have two um one is having a really clear objective and by that, I mean, you know, this is around brand awareness. So it's not muddled. It's not trying to do everything for everyone. It's not, uh, you know, so that was really clear because we then understood what we needed to do. And then having a really clear audience problem that we need to fix and knowing that, you know, how to do that. So like I said, we've done a lot of messaging work anyway for Sage Intact and really were under the skin of, of the value drivers it has. But actually having something that can really clearly add value um but understanding the audience problem so clear objective it was brand awareness is what we're looking to achieve and then a clear understanding of the audience problem how we needed to move help the financial controllers and financial leaders move from being being counters to value creators and then with that and with a great product that's got some good proof points you know it just set us up for a really great foundations to do some amazing creative work
0: and stick and not just that I think stick to those awareness goals because I think there's it's so tempting to to just start to go oh can we just make it a little bit more demand Jen just a little bit and then all of a sudden we're just in lead forms and uh and follow Mm up so I think the results speak for themselves
1: and it shows the value yeah exactly it shows the value of of brand campaigns and driving demand
0: uh, so why, why do you think sage racial game deserves the recognition uh next week
1: um i'd say really strong creative that packs an emotional punch three things really meets an audience problem is disruptive in the market and does something completely different to what its competitors doing and because of those two it's really driven business results and business value to the client i mean that's all you want from a campaign nice. right
3: bonus question louisa what sport would copywriting be
1: harry cannot make past the sports
2: that's the best question of this podcast
3: yeah
0: i'm not we're not ending the recording until you answer this louisa
2: oh it depends on the day though doesn't it because i think like some days it's like yeah winning a relay race some some days it's like one of those one of those mud runs you know, yeah. <laughs> an obstacle yeah. an, an obstacle race full of mud. Yeah. What is that? Mad mother? No,
1: what is yeah. that? Tough mother. Tough mother. Yeah.
2: Tough
0: yeah. <laughs> it's, I, I like the connotations of tough mother there actually because tough mother is not a competitive race, right? It's a you're helping not each when other you do it the obstacle. <laughs> 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 but it's you're helping each other to get over those obstacles, and I yeah. think uh, that there's a lot there's a lot of similarities there to uh, to creating something as wonderful as as sage raise your game so i think i think it's a great question there harry and
3: i like relay for the same reason why is that harry i don't know it's just like you you're handing it off to someone else and then they run with it for a bit and then they're handing it off to someone else
1: that's a good analogy though because sometimes with relay it isn't you don't want to just hand over and then somebody else runs off with it you know it's all about collaboration and Working together, yeah. and that
3: handover is key. It's won and lost in the handover. That is true. Thank you very much, Claire and Louisa, for joining us on,
0: on today's tech marketing podcast. And, uh, and we hope to have you back on again soon. No, Thanks.